Romans 12, 3 says this. You do have Bibles on your table. I've got most of the verses up today. Um, but feel free to uh, look up and follow along however you'd like to. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So this is the season of Lent. Okay, I didn't grow up knowing what Lent was besides the Lent that you, you know, you find in your belly button. Um, (laughs) That was one of those lines that Julie would have crossed out if I would have written it down. Um, But we're in the season of of Lent and uh, it's a season of reflection. It's a season of prayer and fasting from things. It's the season before Easter, so we're waiting on God. Um, and it's a season of thinking soberly about ourselves. Um, so whoever, this is confession time, Who, who's ever been to Mardi Gras? Woo-hoo. I knew Christmas was there. Yeah. I'll, I'll pr- let us pray. No. Um, my parents lived just north of New Orleans for about 10 years um, in Mandeville, Louisiana. And I learned a lot about Mardi Gras tradition and just part of the, how it's part of the culture there and how it like um, flows into Lent, which I wasn't aware of. So uh, New Orleans being a highly uh, Catholicized culture, um, you know, practices Lent uh, uh, almost culturally. Um, but they also practice Mardi Gras which is right before Lent, leading up to the grand celebration of Fat Tuesday, where you indulge in all that can be indulged into. uh, And then you wake up Wednesday morning kind of (laughs) from your stupor and you wander in and you begin your morning and your fasting and you put ash on your forehead and you live the next uh, 40 days or so in that uh, in that different sort of vein. So there's a little bit of logic to it, you know, like, hey, we're going to fast. So let's party before we have to fast. You know, uh, let's eat, drink and be merry. And then we're going to be sober. And so as I think about Mardi Gras, that takes kind of a different twist on thinking of our, about ourselves soberly. Um, <clears throat> but for those of us that didn't get last Tuesday off and don't live next to Bourbon Street, um, when I think about living sober, soberly over the next uh, weeks and, and month or so, I want us to think about it in a different way. Um, seeing ourselves soberly, I think, means seeing ourselves uh, as we're exposed by the light of God. Okay, The light of God. When the light of God shines on us, we start to see things clearly like we haven't before. And when that light shines on us, what I'm going to suggest this morning is that we realize we're not as strong as we thought we were. We're not as good as we thought we were. But at the same time, um, there's so much more goodness and beauty and glory happening in us than we thought was happening when God's light shines on us. So um, we're going to read first John now. Uh, Oh, there is my Mardi Gras. Uh, Clean picture. Um, So 1 John 1, 5 through 10 says this. This is the message we've heard from him, who is Jesus, and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, which we just shared together, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So one of the glories that I think uh, we get, oops, sorry if you're following along there. Um, one of the glories I think we, that people get from being around Jesus is that they start to experience the light of God on, their, God on their lives and they start to see things differently, both themselves and their situation. I think about Peter, <clears throat> who was uh, out in the boat and Jesus went out you know, to hang out with his fishermen buddies. And he was, Peter was just called Simon back then. And uh, they've fished all night and they haven't caught anything, which is kind of embarrassing for professional fishermen. And, and this is when Jesus is like, why don't you try on the other side of the boat? And which is, again, ludicrous to tell professionals to do something very simple, like try it on the other side of the boat and you're going to get some great, you know, different response. Um, it reminds me of a story when my wife Julie and I were, were out fishing once and my uncle, who is a big time fisherman, um, had hired a guide to take us out early in the morning um, on this lake in Arkansas. And we were going uh, fishing for hybrid bass, which can be anywhere from like three or four pounds to like nine or ten pound fish, like big fish that fight a whole lot. Um, And so we go out. It's like 545 in the morning. The sun is starting to come up. And Julie's kind of on one side of the boat. And she's just like, she's like, I'm just going to just enjoy the ride and just kind of pray while the sun's coming up and maybe I'll fish a little bit. And my uncle and I are like, all right, you know, we're ready to go, ready to fish. And so we start casting and, and, and reeling it in and, and, you know, we're not catching anything. And all of a sudden, Julie's like, oh, there's one. And she starts pulling one in and it's like this five pound fish. And so we're like, oh, good job, Julie. You know, we're like, lucky, lucky girl. Um, <laughs> She just starts catching these fish one after another after another. And she's caught like five fish, like huge eight pound fish before my uncle and I have caught anything. And she looks at us with, with pity. And she's like, well, why don't, you, why don't we just switch sides? You know, y'all can come catch the fish over here. Clearly they're over here. And I kid you not, we switch sides and she starts catching fish on the other side. And we had not caught anything. We ended the day. She caught like 10 huge fish. I caught two and my uncle caught one. You know. But that's, that's what this story makes me think out about because um, miracles happen around Julie all the time. <clears throat> and so uh, Jesus says, cast your nets on this side of the boat. And, and Peter's like, all right, okay, let's do it. So they cast on this side and they catch this huge amount of fish. I mean, the nets are breaking. They can't pull it all in. This is the biggest catch of their life. And Peter's response is he looks at Jesus and he says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I'm like, Peter, what? that has nothing to do with what's happening. You just caught the most fish you've ever caught in your life. This is amazing. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Something about that moment of heaven connecting with earth and this amazing thing happening. Peter looks at Jesus and then he sees something about himself and he's like, I, I don't belong here. This is not right. I'm... You know, Jesus, go away. I, I don't belong. I, I can't be next to you because you're just too you're you're holy. You're different than me. When God's glorious light starts to shine on us and we start to see things soberly, 
Um, we see amazing things happen, but we also see how holy God is. Now, it also makes me think of Isaiah, um, the prophet, <clears throat> who has this vision of God at the beginning of his, of his ministry. And um, he sees God in, in, in the temple and his, his throne is there. And just the edge of God's robe is so huge that it's filling up the temple all around him. And Isaiah, you know, kind of like Peter, it says, he says, woe to me. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and, and I dwell among people with unclean, unclean lips. Basically, I, I am ruined. I'm dirty. I, I'm messed up. And my, the people I'm around are, are terrible, just like me. And, and you're going to just wipe us out because you're too good. You're too holy. You're too much for us. In both of these stories, I want you to know how God responds to these people that have had this experience. For Isaiah, he sends this angel down, and I don't know that it looks quite like this, but he sends this angel down, and there's this like fiery coal um, that doesn't burn Isaiah's face off, but takes away that sin and that guilt and that shame from him. And that's when, afterwards, uh, the, the Father in all his glory says, who am I going to send on this mission? And now Isaiah is free to say, I'm ready now, Lord, send me. You've made me right with you. Send me for Peter. Um, after he's experienced this moment with Jesus, um, he Jesus looks at him. He says, don't be afraid, Peter. It's going to be OK. In fact, I want you to follow me now and I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. So this is the response of God in the midst of the brokenness that we feel in his presence is that he welcomes us in. And he says, don't fear I'm going to take your shame and your sin away, and I want you to follow me because we've got good things to do. I recently watched this movie about the life of Rich Mullins. Any people know who Rich Mullins is? Um, and I liked a lot of Rich Mullins music. I, mean, I, a lot of, I know a lot of people that really like Rich Mullins but don't really care for his music. It's kind of 80s kind of ding, 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 ding uh, kind of music. And... Um, <clears throat> But I like a lot of his songs. And he was the guy that really God called him to minister to the church. And a lot of what um, the movie about him depicts is his struggle with grace and accepting grace for himself and trying to teach the church how to have grace with, with other people when at the same time he's, he's really struggling to claim it for himself. And one of the lines from one of his songs that I really like, um, oh, there he is, um, we are not as strong as we think we are. It took the hand of God Almighty to part, uh, not part, part the, part the waters and the sea, but it only took one little lie to separate you and me. Oh, we are not as strong as we think we are. This juxtaposition between the Almighty God who can do amazing things in an instant, and then in an instant for us, you know, one little thing can just crumble us in brokenness and, and just screw up our relationships because we, we just are, are frail. And that's where he says we're frail, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Forged in the fires of human passion, choking on the fumes of selfish rage. And with these, our hells and our heavens so few inches apart, we must be awfully small and not as strong as we think we are. That's sober thinking, okay? That's realizing kind of who we really are, how frail uh, we really are. Now, when that light of God shines on us and we have these moments of sobriety, we see that we're limited people. We're people... That don't know everything. That can't do everything. 
that we were like, I don't really treat people very well. I don't think good thoughts about people all the time. Um, I'm forgetful. I forget about God. And I and when temptation comes, I don't really resist it very well. I, I'm, I have very little willpower. And that's just me. You know, whenever the sobriety of God's light hits you, you may think of all these other things that you say. This is the this is the unholiness that I find myself in. Looking at ourselves soberly is not always fun because I like to look good in front of you guys and I like to look good in front of God. And I think most of us like to look good in front of each other. And and it's the whole idea of of wearing a mask and projecting an image. And, and, you know, my Facebook persona, if I had one, you know, is who I really am. And I go to wonderful places and I do wonderful things and my kids are smiling. Um, And so um, often that's how we we love for people to, to feel like our world is in control and that we're people that have things in control. When reality, we're like, man, things are things are bad. <laughs> you guys don't know it, but things are rough in my world. Um, and we learn how to how to share our struggles in the church sometimes. At least I've, I've gotten pretty good at this in ways that um, that explain our struggles pretty well. So if you said, you know, Paul, you know, confess your sins to me, I would. I would wrap my sins in so much explanation about why I did them that you would say, well, I probably would have done the same thing in your place. And I can completely understand why you did that, you know, because I want to I want it to make sense why I have uh, so much brokenness. I want to in in the church. We want to say, you know, this is this is who I am, but it's not that bad, is it? Um, You know, back to those stories about Peter and Isaiah. One of the things God doesn't do is say um, he doesn't belittle what they were experiencing when they when they thought about their, themselves. He doesn't say to Isaiah, um, your lips aren't that unclean. You're not that bad, Isaiah. It's OK. Um, he says it's OK, but he doesn't um, belittle or make light of, of sin and the damage it does. There's no grace in that in, in limiting the impact of of the sin that's in the world. There's no truth. If you if if light shines on me and I've been out rolling around in the mud getting dirty and you say, oh, you don't look that bad, you know, but I'm filthy. That's just living. That's a lie. That's a mask. That's ignoring the truth. God doesn't ignore the truth. He makes it right. He cleans you off. He gives you grace. And he says, you're filthy right there where you are. But I love you. And we're going to clean this up. We're going to we're going to take this brokenness aside. We're going to fix it right now. And so like Peter and Isaiah, we can come to him and say, I'm, you know, I feel messed up right now. I feel dirty and unclean. And instead of condemning us, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't feel, you know, you feel afraid because you've got shame. You've got shame about who you are and where you're at. But don't be afraid. I love you right now, right for where you are. And my grace is going to be enough. There's a parable in Luke <clears throat> chapter 18. Starts in verse nine. That is a challenge. Um, Jesus says to some people who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on other people. uh, He told this parable. There are two guys uh, went up to the temple to pray. One was a religious guy, Pharisee that lived. I'm I'm embellishing a little bit, lived a good life, didn't didn't mess up. He fasted two times a week, gave a tenth of all he had to to uh, to God. And when he prayed, he prayed like this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this lowly tax collector over here. 
I added lowly. Um, I, you know, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, not in the limelight. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that that man, that tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified, went home made right before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The challenge for me is I struggle to find myself in either one of those people, honestly. Um, I've never read the story and looked at the Pharisee and, and been able to say, yep, that's me. I, I would pray that prayer. In fact, I do what the Pharisee does but to the Pharisee. I'm like, at least I'm not like a Pharisee that would say something ridiculous like that. But I also struggle to be like the tax collector and, and, and to know my own faults and, and, and to be sober about what's going on and to say, God, I need you. I need you. I need you in front of anybody else that might be looking. I need you, God. My, my life is, is broken and hurting and I need you. It's hard to be a recipient of grace. But that's where Jesus says is the good life. That's the good experience when we can receive the grace that he has for us. That's when things are going to be good. He says the humble will be exalted. And we, we want to be exalted, okay? Um, but he says we go through humility to get to that place. I want you guys to know this morning, I, I'm talking to myself, the world of grace is so much better than the masks that we often live in. Yay. Coming into light and saying, I can't do it, I can't carry this load, um, I've made so many mistakes. That's the place where we get a gift of grace and acceptance from God. And it's going to be enough for us. It's really freeing to let go of trying to be perfect. It's really freeing to let go of trying to look better than we are. It's good news that you can be messed up and limited and imperfect and still be completely accepted and loved by the Father. So if you're broken... If on the way to church this morning, uh, you lost your temper and yelled at some somebody, maybe a little one. Um, if you thought of things you shouldn't have this week, if you looked at things you shouldn't have had, you shouldn't have this week. If you've been hiding uh, what's going on for people and you don't want to hide anymore, you're in the right place. And in letting the real broken you come into the light, you're going to experience the love and grace of God, and it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. So I think Rich Mullins is right when he says we're not as strong as we think we are. But on the other hand, there's more going on than we think is going on inside of us. There's really, really good news that Jesus has for us. And it's through that experience of grace that we really come to experience all that, that's, that's also good. Because when the light of God shines on us, I think, yeah, we start to see ourselves soberly, but we also say, I'm not the only one here. God is here with me. The, the spirit of God is living inside me. And it's like the patriarch Jacob who had gone out camping one night under the stars and he either falls asleep or he has a vision and he sees this stairway to heaven for you Led Zeppelin fans. And there's angels going up and down this stairway and God comes and speaks to him and says, Jacob, I've got to, I'm going to renew the covenant with you and your descendants. And when Jacob wakes up, he says, surely God was here and I never realized it. And that's the kind of experience we have when God kind of shows up and shines his light on us. We're like, wow, 
I thought it was just me, but he's here. He is here with me. And for us that are followers of Jesus, that spirit life is inside of us, dwelling us. What Jesus said is true. The counselor that he promised has come and you are not alone. The truth about you is that God is with you. And that resurrection life, I think Charles talked about, prayed about earlier today. That's the reality that's inside of you. And God is making you new and he's taken the brokenness inside of you and he's making it beautiful. Amen. And you know what? Um, that's hard to believe. And we can confess. Hey, there's a lot of times I, I don't feel like God's <laughs> if God's doing something, I don't see it right now. You know, it's like the guy uh, I was sitting next to on the plane and. Usually I'm introverted and try to avoid any conversations on a plane. But this particular guy I just really want to talk. So we're talking. We get into um, talking about Christianity and faith. And he's like, so you believe in the virgin birth? I'm like, yeah. He's like, really? You believe in that? And I'm kind of thinking to myself, do, do I really believe that? That is kind of crazy, you know? Do you really believe that God is alive inside of you? That God's at work in your life and he's taken the junk that you're going through and he's making it beautiful. It's hard to believe, but I think the, the, the path to belief for us involves stepping into that light and saying, man, I doubt a lot. I'm, I'm scared. And just receiving the grace of God and him saying, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to not fully believe everything yet. We're working on that. You know, it's, it's like you're looking in a mirror and, and you can't see that things are kind of fuzzy right now. He understands that. He said, but we're taking you, I'm taking you to a place where you're going to see me face to face. And it's going to be good. But on the way there, hey, I know, that, I know that it's rough. But I've got good things in store for you. And I love you. And so that grace fills us up to where we can say, okay, God, I, I think you are doing something good here. I think in the mess of my life, you are really alive. And you're starting to redeem and restore and I know I'm talking about this on a personal level, but he certainly does that on the on the communal level. In our partner meeting this morning, we we're talking about all the things that God has been doing in storyline of the last year. And there's struggle in the midst of it. And Gary, you're talking about struggle and and attack. And yet sometimes those are the things that are highlighting that God is at work because in the struggle, if, if things are all hunky dory and then. It might be that that we're kind of lukewarm, but when we're struggling, when there's attack, when there's battle and we know, hey, there's more going on than what meets the eye here. So I just have one more thing to say. Um, When the light of God shines on us, we realize we're not alone. The thing that scripture says that God wants to tell us is that we're his children and that you're a son or you're a daughter of his. That he's adopted you and he loves you. And and that's one of the things that happens when we come into the light and experience that grace of God is that he tells us that we're his kids. And like the um, the kids that wanted to go see Jesus and they ran up to him, the disciples were like, hey, don't bother the master. And Jesus like, let them come to me. And he held and he touches them. And I just think he embraces them. That's how God sees you when you come to him and you're like, I am broken and dirty. He says, come here, come here. I want to hold you. I want to touch you. We're going to make this right. That's the way that God sees you. That's what he wants to do with you because you're his kid. You're not alone in in the world. God is inside of you. There was a a teacher that I had uh, when I was in Memphis. And um, he worked in the inner city of Memphis. And he would walk uh, down the streets when he would visit 
different people in the churches. And there was one time he told the story of um, this gang uh, of guys approached him and um, and they're basically like, what are you doing in our in our neighborhood? And they start telling him all the things they're about to do to him. And he didn't back down. Uh, he stood his ground. He's like, you know, the father, the son and the Holy Spirit are with me. And if you mess with me, you mess with them. <laughs> and they didn't know what to do with that. And they left him alone. And I'm sure there's a story out there where the same sort of thing happened. and It didn't turn out that way. But I think that guy was on to something. He realized as he walked those streets of Memphis that it wasn't just him. It wasn't just him. That the almighty God was his father and he was his son. And he was, he said, and God had given him a, a job to do as, his, as an ambassador. And so it wasn't just him walking those streets because God was with him. And he didn't have to be afraid because God had called him to that place. And so he had confidence in the calling that he'd received. So God is with us, okay? So here, here we are. Uh, it's, it's the beginning of Lent. We started praying. I'm so, I love our, our prayer times in the morning. If you haven't gotten jumped on, just jump on. Even if you just sit there and just listen. Uh, it's really cool to pray with you guys in the morning. But I think what I want to pray for is um, that the light of God will shine down on us during this season. And that we'll step into the light. Because here's the thing. Jesus is very gentle with us. He doesn't push us into the light. He doesn't... <laughs> Flip on the light when we're trying to sleep and wake us up. He welcomes us into it. And so you have a choice in the matter, I believe. I don't always know the difference between how God predestines things and how we have a choice. But I think that he welcomes us. So if you say, okay, I want to I see what you have for me here. You step into the light. You know, I think we're going to experience both the things that I talked about, how... We're not as strong as we think we are. We, we like Peter, may say, wow, I've, I've got a lot of issues. Um, and, and as your light shines on me, I, feel, I start to feel you know, some shame because of that. But I think we'll feel this invitation from him as well. And it's going to be good. And he has loads of grace for us. Amen. So I'm going to pray. And um, <clears throat> if, you, if you're feeling like uh, either on one hand... You feel like you've got the mask on and it's really hard to let that drop and 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 just be real before God and the community. Um, I'm going to pray that that you'll find courage to step into the light and take that off. And um, if you're feeling a lot of self-despair, you're like, hey, I'm not hiding my stuff. My stuff's out there for everybody to see. And I just, you know, I don't feel like I can see God in the midst of this. Then I'm going to pray for you, too, that God's light will shine on you and reveal that you're not alone. And that God loves you and he's got good stuff going on for you. So those are my two two prayers. And, you know, I, I want to say that during the season, I hope we experience this. I also want to say this morning, you know, if, if you feel like man, there is a burden on me um, and I need to share it, then I want you to just tap somebody's shoulder. We're going to sing some songs in a minute. And I want you to just tap somebody's shoulder and just say what you need to say. Um, I'll step back to the back and, and I'm sure Charles will be available too, or he may be coming over to me and just say what he needs to say or me to him. But just let's, you know, let's uh, obey the Lord. If he, if he says, if he welcomes us, um, say what you need to say. Um, and so let's pray. Lord, uh, 
our hope is in you, and our hope is that there is more that's going on in this room uh, than just what we can see with our eyes. Our hope is that you have made us and that your spirit is at work in us. And whether we're just jumping for joy in the knowledge and experience of your presence or whether we're just in in a state of despair and we don't see you and know you, would you call us and welcome us to you? Will you speak to us about who we are? Would you please reveal yourself to us and shine your light on us, Lord? Give us courage to step towards you, even today, and experience all the good things that you have for us, all the grace you want to pour out in our lives. Um, Would you please uh, shine your light and and bring us close to you? Call us in, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.